Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, the show that talks culture and leadership in sports with some of the most compelling coaches, athletes, and business people in the world. I am your host, Colin Sermelia, and thank you for joining us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for any additional information you want to know about this episode, and you can also find my contact information if you'd like to say hi. If you aren't driving or in the middle of a run, please consider taking a minute and leaving us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. This is the best way to help other folks find the show. And if you're feeling extra generous, hit share on this episode and post it to your social media handles. Thank you, as always, for all of the support. Don't forget, if you haven't already, to check out my Amazon best-selling book, Culture of Excellence, What We Can Learn from the Yankees About Leadership. This book is a fun and informative read that is filled with impactful stories that will become value adds to your life. I'm a little biased, but seriously, it's a transformative book. You can find that, training notebooks, swag, and information on the Leadership Academy workshop and trainings all in the show notes or go to talent409.com. All right, everyone, we are here today with Brennan Wise, former Division I basketball player at Pitt in Indiana and currently in apparel merchandise. Brenna, I want to start today's conversation. We talked offline about this, so maybe you had an idea of where I was going to go with this first question, but we've talked multiple times in the past, and one of the things that we jam on pretty extensively is work ethic, and I want people right from the get-go of this conversation to feel the energy that's going to come through the microphone when you talk about work ethic and what it means to you. So can we first first break it down generally, and then I'm probably going to ask you some specifics based on some of your responses here. 100% Colin, those are probably my two favorite words. And I think I shared with you, um, when people ask me, you know, tell me about yourself, you know, that's a kind of a typical answer. And the first word that comes the first two words that come to mind are hardworking. And that's exactly what I want to be known for. And with hardworking, there's a lot of words that are synonymous with that. It's, it's discipline, it's persistence, it's commitment, it's um, all those gritty words that I, that come to mind and work ethic is isn't just related to basketball or athletics. It's related to absolutely everything you do in life. I believe in the saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so I think that has a, that's just linked to the word work ethic and what it means to me. And so every day, you know, my biggest competition is the person facing me back in the mirror. And so if I can work at outwork them, I have, I've won the day in my opinion. <laughs> I'm guessing you win more often than not, just based on the success that you've had. <laughs> I hope so. Some days are tougher than others, but some days it's a tie and I just got to go the extra mile before I go to bed. But yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> I, I remember, I think the first time we talked, it was somewhat in the evening hours like this and you were already thinking about, oh, I got to get that lift in later on and, and everything. And I'm like, that that is the mentality to know that you've got some difficult things that you still got to do. And instead yep. of just shutting it down after the workday, for example, you're going to go out there and do it. So like you, you live and breathe it. I do. And that's so funny. You say that I was just, I know what my workout entails today. And it's the Wednesday and it's, you've got to push through it. Cause as you were saying, it's at like four o'clock on a Wednesday. And I'm like, I know I have a workout ahead of me and nothing sounds more, you know, just 
desirable than to lay down and relax. But I always <laughs> feel so much better after that workout. And so, and then yeah, I just feel better about myself. Like, all right, I pushed through that. And it's just, yeah. I, I think you and I talked about it. It's building that bank of suck actually is something yes. um, I refer to. Uh, I, my strength coach actually taught me um, when I was at Indiana and we'd go through some pretty tough workouts to say the least. And it was like, this is where you build your bank of suck. So when you are on the court and things are going hard or you got to sprint back on defense and you're absolutely exhausted. Like this is what you tap into. And it's about creating that bank for people of, I mean, Colin, you know, better than anybody, you just got a newborn baby. You're working, you got a child. I mean, you are working at all hours of the day. So you are, you know, it just as well as I do. Yeah. And you know, my bedtime is coming up soon. So yeah. <laughs> you get a lot more sleep because you know, any minute you could get waken up by that little child and it's all over for you at it's that point. Game over. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I love that you brought up, I had that, that in my notes from one of the, the previous times that we talked, but that, that bank of sucking, that's one of those areas with hardworking work ethic where you can get through adversity. And I think when people think about adversity, they, they ultimately think about like a, a difficult or challenging, um, but they see it like in a, in a negative way. Whereas like what you just kind of talked about was, you know, late in a close game, maybe, maybe it's like a championship type game and um, you're not out of it by any means. And you just, you just got to push through those final two minutes and make a couple shots, have a couple defensive stops. And you know, that that's working through adversity. That's like what that, that bank of suck is all about. Are there other uh, mytholo mythology, methodologies, excuse me, <laughs> or uh, ways that you have uh, been able to, to build up that muscle for uh, working through adversity? Other tips that you can share with us today? Yeah, 100%. I just think it's, it's just, can you push yourself a little bit more? Like it's not zero to 100 sometimes. You know, I read a quote today. It's, it's zero to 10 and then 10 to 20 and then maybe 10 to 21 and then 21 to 32. And can you push yourself a little bit more every time? Because where you want to be isn't going to happen tomorrow. But, you know, perfect example is people who make sales calls for my instance, you know, it's just that one more, if you can live by the one more, the one more rep in the weight room, the one more call that you make, um, the one more, you know, whatever, the one more page of the book that you read or, or whatever it is, if you can do just one more and one more, you're just going to build. It's not 10 more, 20 more. It doesn't have to be this insurmountable adversity or challenge. It's like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can overcome. And, but you're just going to gradually build. And I believe in the saying, it's not about, it's about progress, not perfection. Sure. And so if you can make that progress, that's kind of that, you know, overcoming that adversity. Like, yeah, I really don't want to be, you know, make 10 more phone calls, but if I do that, then I know tomorrow's a little easier yeah. and you're just making your, making yourself a little easier and making yourself a little wiser, no pun intended. Um, but <laughs> I would say, you no, know, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but that's kind of how I see overcoming adversity. It's just one more. It's not conquering the whole mountain. It's just, can I get to the mile marks? Yeah. And, and I love that because you're talking about the, the process, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're not talking about the outcome necessarily. The outcome will come as, as a result of working through the process. Now where my curiosity is leading to is burnout. And mm -hmm. especially when we talk about, you know, hardworking and, and work ethic, I think it's just a natural thing that sometimes can even happen without recognition. You right. can enter into burnout. So how do you, maybe, for example, how do you know when one more is too many and, mm -hmm. and you have to, you know, cut back, even if it's just for a day, it's again, not saying that you have to take these huge chunks out and like all of a sudden change what you're doing for weeks at a time, for example. But, um, you know, how do you kind of, 
toe that line where you're putting in the work and you're progressively getting better day after day, uh, but you're not leading yourself to an area where it's doing um, negative things to, to your work. No, that's great. I, I do. That's a really great question because I'm still trying to master that some days. And I think we all are that, that delicate balance of pushing myself, but not pushing yourself too hard. And so I think everybody has their own different degree of pushing themselves too hard. So what I say isn't going to be the same for you and what's going to be the same for everybody else who answers this, but it's really being in tune with your body and being in tune with your mind. Like, yes, you can push it, but are you going to, after you do it, are you going to look back and say, I'm glad I did that? Or are you going to say, wow, I'm just even more tired or, or just, it wasn't worth it. You know, you have to, yeah. it's about quality, not quantity sometimes. And sure. I always believe, you know, we, that, the most applicable question to that is, you know, like on an off day, you know, do you really take the off day after you've played 10 days in a row or do you go in and get those extra shots? And of course, most of the time it's going to get that extra shots, but maybe it's getting extra shots lighter or it's taking, you know, watching film and mentally envisioning it. And there's, there's different ways to get better. Um, it's not just, it's not all physical all the time either. It's, it's envisioning, it's writing it out. It's, it's maybe just taking a step away from it and talking to somebody else about it to avoid that burnout of like, Hey, what would you do in this situation? I want to continue to get better, but I'm exhausted. Or, um, I, I don't know if my efforts are paying off. And so it's being able to have a time of reflection and being able to look at the progression you've made and the growth and where have you seen yourself and where, where have you achieved the most growth and what type of mindset you were and how much sleep have you gotten and how much time have you invested? Cause I do believe what you put in is what you get out of situations. And so um, that equation is different for everybody. Yeah. And I like you simply broke it down to, is it going to make you feel good after you do it? Or is it going to make you feel more tired? And yeah. I'm just thinking about the silly example that I, I just told you, I slept in an extra hour yesterday and it's paying dividends still to this to today. It's so over the course of almost two full days, sleeping in one extra hour made me feel really, really good. I, yes. I needed to sleep obviously. And I'm super regimented, you know, normally by getting up at five, because if I don't get up at five, then it puts everyone else's schedule kind of off the books for, for the day. Um, so, you know, me sacrificing to, to get up at that time really helps the, the whole of our, our family, our team. Um, and when I you know, sleep in the extra hour, then it puts everything behind. I got to reshuffle things around. And I mean, we're really working off a Stella schedule at this point. Right. So I can, I could just see though, you know, what you said made a lot of sense to me because it did make me feel good. Whereas if like I had done that yesterday and you know, now we're almost two days later and I said to you, man, I, I, I should have just gotten up at five. Cause it's like thrown off my, my whole two right. days. And then I'm going to learn. So like, that's a way if you're trying to identify, you know, for the listening audience, it doesn't make you feel good and it doesn't not. And, and like, you know, it's, it's probably going to be so different for so many different things in your life that you're not going to be able to like apply this, like one blanket statement to everything. Exactly. And I believe, you know, it's not going to be a perfect process. Like yeah. if you, you're not always going to make the right decision, but that's where the growth and the progression comes from is learning from what you didn't do. You know, I mean, I even think of it, people can apply it to diet. Perfect example of do I splurge now or do I just, because I didn't splurge yesterday, I splurge a little bit more in the next, you know, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit in two days, as opposed to just eating the whole cookie, you know, type <laughs> of thing. Like you, you have to be able to reward yourself or, you know, yes, you haven't probably, you know, you're trying to save money, but that is something you love. Like if it makes sense, go buy it type of thing. You have to reward yourself time some, sometimes for the, for your work ethic, because then sure. it just becomes non-rewarding and non-purposeful. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really, really great reminder. Really great reminder. And I always end up eating the full cookie. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do for us, Colin. <laughs> uh, one of the other areas that I wanted to talk about associated with all of this is um, you had mentioned to me that working hard, you felt working hard gave you choices in life. And, and this is not just something that has just come up recently for you, but throughout your, your college basketball experience. And I'm sure before that as well, can you explain a little bit more about what you meant by that? And maybe, um, you know, share uh, some, some wisdom related to all of that. hundred percent. I mean, my dad has always said, when you put in the work ethic, it, it creates choices for you. And by that it's, you know, if you work hard at a specific talent, whether that be playing an instrument or sport or art or whatever it may be, and you continue to put that work ethic, you'll create choices for yourself. Can you get a scholarship? Can you be recognized for something? Um, do you separate yourself from the pack and what rewards come with those? Um, even a sense of just, it gives you choices of, you know, making those phone calls and, and, and going to work out. It gives you great choices and saying like, okay, if I worked out, maybe I can eat a little bit different. And it gives me that choice where I don't have to be as strict. And, and when you have choices, you live your life a little bit at ease where you're not like, this is the only option I have. And that becomes a little bit resentful and a negative way to live. And so hard work just gives you that option of, hey, I worked an extra hour yesterday. So I don't, so when my friends wanna go out to dinner and I, and it's at whatever, five, 5.30, I can leave because I can feel good about the work that I put in. And so it's those types of choices that it's creating, a, it's, it's creating habits for you and it's creating your identity as well. People, rec people see, your work ethic and it allows, it just gives you choices if that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it seems like part of that and the identity that, that you just alluded to uh, is, is you want to stand out from the pack. Yep. And I think we, yeah, I'm sure in your adolescent uh, life, and, and I know I was like this, you spend so much time trying to fit in. You're like, yeah. How come people don't like me? Am I weird? Like, you know, what's what's going on? Your hormones are all over the place. Yeah. And then and then you just like hit this this certain point in life where you're like, no, actually, I want to be me. Yeah. And being me separates me from everyone else. And and it, it, so it's not even like this drastic like you got to be, um, you know, s super extreme to to something or right. the other. It's just you know taking it individually and saying like, if I'm me, if I'm authentic to myself then I stand out and that's what's ultimately going to make me happy. It seems like at least that's, that's the path that you're, you're on. hundred percent. And it's, and I think it also goes back to, you know, if I stick to me and what I want to be, and, you know, if I want to be successful, it takes that work ethic. And what you want to be is the choice that you is your choice. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of intertwined, which is very metaphorical right now, but it's the hard work that you put in is going to give you that choice and it's going to create your identity. Love it. Love it. So all of this great motivation that people are hearing right now, and they're super jazzed up. A lot of this comes from your career as a basketball player. Yep. Not all, it's not exclusive, but uh, basketball has taken you to pretty significant heights. I would love to learn first, uh, just pretty simply, when did you know you had like the it factor to, to play like even college basketball at, at the division one level? That's a really great question. And I, believe it or not, I doubted for a long time, you know, his, my, that was my dream to just play at the highest level possible. Um, and when I was actually, at, when I was in the sixth grade, maybe it was the fifth grade, 
Um, but I can vividly see myself in a gym and I was trying out with older girls and I was clearly out of shape, Colin. <laughs> and I was a little rounder around the edges and definitely not on the lifting program I am on now. And the coach called me out and he just said, who is breathing like a locomotive? And most kids wouldn't answer, but for some reason I threw my hand up and he was like, if you want to play at this level, you need to get in shape. And I was embarrassed. Not only yeah. were you embarrassed because you're in front of other girls and people are watching and the gym is quiet, but you're embarrassed because, you know, I was there to play with the older girls, which in my mind thought, all right, like I'm good enough, but I wasn't. And it was a very humbling experience. Sure. And so at that time, like I had really changed my mindset. And then um, almost a year and a half later, exactly, I was invited to play on one of the top teams in Pittsburgh and we were playing at a top level. And that's when I asked my parents, I really, I, I looked at my dad and I said, do you really think that I can play at this level? And so it really wasn't me. It was my dad who, who, who really made it click for me. And he said, absolutely. And he said, you're going to have to work at it. <laughs> and I did. And I, I wanted to. And if I, I was presented the opportunity and when the opportunity arises, I wanted to be as prepared as possible. And so I'm very fortunate to not only have the support staff I did, um, but to have humbling moments like that. There will be moments for everybody's lives where they realize they aren't there and you're humble. I mean, you can look around and you can say, I'm not as fit as that person. I'm not as successful or I don't make as much money, but I would stop comparing yourself against other people because comparison is the thief of joy and start <laughs> looking at yourself in the mirror. Oh, that's, that could be a great book title. I've, I, I feel like I say that on every podcast. I'm like listening for all these little phrases, but that, that could be a really good book title if you're looking to write something in, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so with your basketball experience, then uh, talking a little bit more about that, when you got to the college level, you played for, you know, two pretty well-known universities. I'd imagine both, uh, most people know both uh, mm -hmm. Pitt and Indiana. Can you talk a little bit about from both experiences from like a, a culture perspective, like what some of the, the really great things that you learned um, or that you even got to obviously be a part of during those times? hundred percent. And really what I really want to start, start out first with is not the basketball aspect of it, more okay. the academic part of it. I mean, I used to joke with people at Indiana, we had group projects to do and these kids would be like, yeah, let's meet at four o'clock. And I'd be like, I can't, <laughs> I literally can only meet at this time at eight 30 in the morning before class or at nine o'clock at night, because you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, six hours of my day are gone. That's an hour to practice. That's two and a half, three hours at practice. And it's an hour prep after, you know, give or take a few here and there. I said, as much as I'd like to be as flexible as possible, I just can't. And so I was expected of the same thing of in the classroom as everybody else was, but with just shy of six to five to six hours of everybody's day. Right. And so I learned a lot about balance and um, you make time for what's important and I mean, everybody's plates as they get older, just continue to continue to get more things put on it. And so, you know, I just learned actually recently at my, at my organization, if you start your day with the most important thing that will either impact the business, your school, your grades, your goals, whatever it is, that's where you need to start. Don't start with the minuscule administrative stuff. That's easy. Start with the hard things. Yeah. And that's where the most growth is. So, I mean, Definitely the balance of academics and how important academics were and how much time it required was one of the first things I, I learned. But 
I learned a lot of intangibles. You know, I was surrounded by just a diverse group of women who taught me so many things in life, just how fortunate I am and how to give to others and, and just how to really help others' strengths shine and how to compensate for others. You know, in a team, you really learn that you are one cohesive unit and you do everything together and, and what you do impacts the entire team. And so um, one of our athletic directors, when I was at Pitt said this, and it's, it's a very relatable quote, athletes are like the front porch to a home. They may not be the most important to the university, but they're the first thing people see. Yeah. And so how I conducted myself, how I conducted myself in the classroom, outside the classroom, especially in the city of Pittsburgh where I was born, at Indiana, that's a reflection of my team, my coaches, the university. And so um, I, you know, we used to sign autographs at Indiana and it would just be amazing at all these little girls that would come up to you and have pictures and, and with drawings for you. And you just never know. I want to remind everybody on this call, you never know who's watching and not in like a scary way, but like who's admiring you from a distance and who really wants to be like you and, and is, is admiring your actions and mimicking their actions off of you. And so that was really an, an eye-opening experience too. And just, you never think of your, you just think of yourself as yourself when others don't see yourself as that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is a really cool reminder. And uh, I've heard multiple student athletes specifically tell me that before we're on a tough day or, you know, just when they're, they're not feeling right for whatever reason. And, um, you know, maybe it's after a game and they're, they're hanging around and a little girl comes up to them, asks them for an autograph. And it's like, you know, that, that is, you, you don't know who that little girl is, but yeah. she knows who you are. And, yeah. you know, she, she's looking up to you and, and everything. And I think that is such a powerful reminder of like the, the public FaceTime, like that can be a burden, I think for some people. And you see that in athletics, whether you're at an amateur level in college or even at the professional level, some people just can't handle it for whatever reason. But if you can handle that responsibility to, uh, to be someone with a good moral compass and to set a really good example for, for younger people, like, I think that's, that's something really powerful that um, seems like something you enjoy as well. I did. I did. And it was, it was a, it was a gift and it was just, um, it was an opportunity to be on, you know, to be on that type of stage, an athletic stage. But um, to go back to your question, initially, you know, maybe some of the other things <laughs> I learned was just little, really little things go a long way. I mean, you always had to be 10 minutes early. If you weren't 10 minutes early, you were late. <laughs> and that's not just for practice. That is for everything. You know, are you on a call early? Uh, do you hop on the Zoom call? Are you early to pick your kids up? Whatever it is. Um, everybody has heard the saying, I'm sure if you're earlier on time and if you're on time, you're late. Right. That was a big takeaway from college athletics. Um, I also, you know, going back to your actions aren't just your consequences aren't just for you. So if I miss a box out, or if I, if I'm not having a great practice, like it's not just me who suffers, the entire team suffers. Yeah. We may have a turnover. And if I don't get back on defense, it's five on four because I'm not there. And I'm just, you know, slouching because I turned the ball over and it's um being you learn how to communicate with different people too I mean everybody has a different communication style and some some are okay with the yelling and some can't handle the yelling which doesn't make them better or worse it's just how do you best communicate and convey an important message to somebody and make sure we're all on the same page and um that's that's spending time with people and and getting to know them and, and trusting them and having conversations and and investing in people was very, very important. 
Sorry to interrupt, but I want to help you get fit. Christine here from Sweat with Sods. Being at home has a lot of people in a rut with their workouts, but you don't have to be. My Hit at Home workouts require no equipment and can be done in 30 minutes or less. And if Hit isn't for you, I also design custom programs that can be done virtually, in person, or a combination of both. I put my years of experience teaching classes and personal training into all of my programs. I've worked with lots of people and helped them achieve very different goals. So what are you waiting for? Head to sweatwithstats.com today. And don't forget that as a listener to this podcast, you can get a discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout. Can't wait to hear from you. And now back to the show. So you've kind of segued us then into talking a little bit more about basketball. And uh, you mentioned, you know, falling back on defense. If you don't do that, it's, it's five on four usually and so on and so forth. And one of the questions I had on here, you know, I see basketball uh, from, from the outside as one of the ultimate team sports where um, the communication has to be there. Um, the, the spacing, the, you know, every, every little aspect to it because of the way that the court is set up and the way that the game works. Um, it just seems like the ultimate team sport to me. And um, I would love to learn a little bit about like, give us, give us a little basketball insider. Like how do you learn to work as one when you do have those individual components to, I mean, you're standing in one spot, you know, point guard standing in another spot, for example, but um, you know, how, how do you transition your individual efforts to working in one like that? Whereas like my sport in baseball, it's, it's not like that at all. It's completely different. So I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit about how you work together. That's a great, I mean, it is um, that's kind of like the secret recipe for every team. So I'm definitely don't have all the answers. That's <laughs> That is, if somebody has that answer, you know, go win a national championship because there's always going to be miscommunications and missteps because it's like playing telephone the whole game. So, <laughs> you know, but it's, it starts with, you have to prove yourself that they can trust you so they can trust them. So if they get beat on defense, you've got to be there and willing to take the risk to leave your man to go help their man. And then everybody else recovers from it. And it's just being in tune, but that happens honestly Yes, it happens on the floor, but it happens off the floor. Can you have honest communications with people? Do you go out of your way to help them? Are you picking them up from class? Are you helping them from your homework? Are you, hey, you need a meal. Hey, you need a ride. Whatever it is, you have to build that relationship on the floor and being, being able to communicate. Hey, did you see that play? Like, hey, I didn't really understand it. Can you help me through it type of thing? And, and it's a little bit about, you know, kind of just a buzzword right now is that vulnerability with each other. Like, sure, I'm no better than you are. And we need each other to make this work. And that sense of like vulnerability with each other, of understanding you need each other, that's where that, that cohesion happens. If somebody doesn't believe they need you, then you're going to have a gap without a doubt. But, um, you know, on the floor, that cohesion is, is being able to communicate and, you know, pulling them aside. Some people deal better with being caught out in front of everybody and others don't. You need to pull them to, to the side and some need positive reinforcement, some need negative reinforcement. And so, um, it takes practice, it takes a lot of time, and there's always mess ups with cohesion, but um, it is the ultimate team sport because you also have to share that one goal. If the goal is to get mine and to get my stats, you're not going to be a successful team. If the goal is to get a championship and legit do whatever it takes to get there, whether that's scoring 20 a game or sitting on the bench for 20 minutes and you're contributing something, whether it's energy, clapping, defense, points, whatever it is, if you're contributing to that one goal and you feel called to that purpose, that's where you'll get that inclusion and that, that, that closeness. 
Yeah. And it, you know, you're speaking to a selfless attitude, right. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's something that's not across the the industry. It's, it's just not, you know, not every player is, is like that. And um, some players have to, to learn to, to be more selfless. And um, I actually just asked this question on another episode that I just recently recorded. And I, I'm wondering what your insight is into this is, is um, I always, uh, I always find it interesting when you have someone who's selfless you know, let's just stick with basketball. So you have someone who would rather pass up the game winning shot than take the game winning shot. But how do you have the self-awareness to know that you're the player that needs to be taking that shot and not, and and be selfish for a minute. Like being selfish is, is good in some circumstances. Right. So like, um, y'all, I'm wondering if you've ever been in a situation like that, whether it's you or a teammate where you had to say like, Hey, we know you're selfless. Like we know you're a team player, but if we give you the ball in this spot and there's this much time on the clock and this is what the situation is, you have to take that shot. Even if you miss, we need you to be the one that takes that shot. Have you ever come across that? hundred percent. And it's, it's that just right there calling it saying, Hey, you're going to make it. You got it. It's being verbal. It's being open. It's being direct and being, you know, having that open dialogue with each other is exactly what those moments are like. And also, understanding their personality too. You know, if, if I was, you can tell when somebody's always disingenuous in those moments, you know, when people are genuine and disingenuous. And so, you know, if somebody's just, you know, hit three in a row, we sure are going to the hot hand and we know it and we're confident in it. And, you know, if they, if they have bad practices and they have, you know, they're not shooting it well, well, of course not. We're gonna, not going to give them the ball. Like it, you know, what you do in practice is an example of what you're going to do in the game. And so, right. Again, that's going back to the hard work and the proof and the pudding of like, hey, this girl, we know she can knock it down. And so I can go up to my point guard and be like, you got this, go to the hoop, I'll set you a screen and you go get a bucket and you go get a bucket. So it's just, it's being, it's, it's communicating in those senses. It's, it's not, you never want to assume. I hate the saying, and I'm not a swear, but assuming is making an ass out of you and me. And you never in, in the game of basketball, you always want to clarify. Because if I assume you're shooting the last shot, Colin, and you assume I'm shooting the last shot, we're not getting a shot up. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you have to be able to be very verbal, very direct in those times of moments and understand, you know, you got to handle a little bit of pressure too. You know, yeah. who can handle that pressure? Who has put in that work and given them the choice and the confidence to take that shot? Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of this is coming back to communication, like literally everything we've just talked about for the last five minutes or so is it's all communication. And so, you know, roadblocks when it comes to communication, like what are some of the common ones that you've had and have you, cause I know you're not the type of person who's just going to either try to go around it or avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. How do you work through those, those roadblocks to, to make sure that you can communicate with this person or at least put the effort in to try and communicate with them? Uh, it's, it's definitely trying to understand their, their communication style and what they prefer. And, you know, it's, it's feedback. You have to request feedback from those people and you have to be willing to, to, to accept constructive feedback ultimately. And so, um, feedback is effective. It's not, it has a negative connotation with it. And so feedback is somebody showing that they care Mm -hmm. and that they're willing to share, but when you have obstacles in communication, it's, you know, trying a different method. It's, it's, it's asking more questions than telling in any sense. It's 
hey, tell me how I could have communicated better here. What would you have preferred here? Or where's their confusion? Help me understand. Because when you ask out of curiosity, you're looking for an answer instead of just tell them because then it becomes a two-way street of communication. You're you're looking for an answer. And so um, everybody encounters communication difficulties all day long with who they're, you know, you get misinterpreted, people assume, tone of voice. Uh, the biggest, I read this the other day, one of the biggest forms of miscommunication happens via text. There's no facial, there's no verbal, there's no nothing. And with, you know, it is only just words on there. Yeah, you can add some emojis here and there and that always helps <laughs> with the situation, but that's where huge miscommunications happen. Or, hey, I thought you would want wanted this, when you really wanted this. And so that's where you just say, why didn't you just ask? And when people ask, that goes back to asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to, to navigate through difficult. I'm putting difficult in quotes for people that can't see difficult conversations. And yeah. again, like difficult conversations get a negative connotation because everyone assumes like the worst case scenario, but you know, sometimes it is just working through like a, a very minor little detail or, or something like that. If you just ask the question, <laughs> you can, you can alleviate the, the issue right then and there That's and move on. Absolutely. <laughs> My parents always say, well, it doesn't hurt to ask. Like what's the worst thing that happens when you ask and every parent says it, they say no. Yeah. And so every kid doesn't want to hear no, but it just doesn't bother to, to ask. And so I think that also goes back to the saying of like, get comfortable being uncomfortable. When I think of tough decisions or tough conversations, it's having tough conversations with coworkers with parents, with, um, you know, anybody, but you have to be a little uncomfortable to have this conversation. You never want to keep it bottled up, but you also have to have a plan going into the conversation of being, yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable at first, but again, here's where you build every little bit more and a little bit more and every uncomfortable situation you're in, the next one is a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I love it. Very, very good. Now, We've talked so much about, I guess the the overall theme is is the work ethic and what goes into it and everything today. And a lot of that was built through your basketball experience. And I'm just curious from the listener perspective, or so the listeners can hear what that transition was like for, for you to take it from an athletic setting and now into more of the corporate world, have you had to make some adjustments? Are there things that are frustrating you that you're, you're trying to work through at this point? Definitely. I think one of the biggest, um, and a lot of people can relate to this. One of my biggest adjustments is every day I spent almost at least 75% of my day with people and I'm working from home. And a lot of people are working from home and it's, I am an extrovert. No question. I know it shocks you. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> I certainly miss people and I feed off their energy. And so missing that camaraderie of a sport of we're in this together, we're high-fiving, we're touching, we're, we're, we're chest bumping, whatever it is, definitely miss that. That's hard. And I have to find a, a different outlets of energy. And I use, you know, I take walks every day and I try and call somebody different, whether it be my grandma or my parents or my little brother who home, is home from school. And so, you know, filling that void is very different and obviously scheduling more, uh, safe as, as safe as outings as you can get, you know, yeah. it's, it's secret it is as much as I don't want to admit it. I do look forward to my workout because there's other people in that gym, whether they have a mask on or not, it's just like, wow, you can feel somebody's energy. And we were talking about that. <laughs> so I definitely miss that energy aspect of it. Um, another, maybe one of the toughest things, uh, for me to adjust with was 
I'm so used to uh, maybe not necessarily being always having a scouting report and always having a plan. Okay. And I'm living in a very ambiguous world of having this be my first year in, in corporate America and being able to navigate the sales realm. And so I'm building my scouting report now I'm building my blueprint now, and I am very uncomfortable with it. But as long as I stay disciplined and I stay rooted in my values, then I, again, I'll reap the reward. Um, but I've always, you know, you do this and you get this and here there's a little bit of guesstimation sometimes. And so, um, but I have a great team that I work with, even though we're not in person and we're not getting buckets together and we're high-fiving. Um, <laughs> we do a lot of teams meetings and there's just a lot of, I work with a great people who are just like my teammates who just, who want the best for you and are there to help you succeed. And so I think that's the most important part of the, of when you transition is no matter what you do in life, I will believe that this is the most important thing and it's people. You want to surround yourself with great people because it's an extension of who you are. And it goes back to the first time you emailed me, Colin, and you just reached out. And I was just like, this is somebody I definitely want to surround myself with. And we talk about people who are in your circle. And so um, you want them to make you better. And so we talked about hard work and, and getting that better. And there are days, like you mentioned, that you just, you don't know if it's burnout and that's where it's people like you or your spouse or your friend that can help you get over that. And it's surrounding yourself with the right people. So I've been very blessed to be surrounded by great people in all realms of my life. Yeah, the support system is so key, so crucial to everything that we talked about. And I'm so glad that I tricked you for so long to feeling the way that you do about me. <laughs> and hopefully that will continue. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, so I appreciate this conversation so much. And I know not only people are going to walk away from it, motivate it, but also learning so much from you. And, and Brenna, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. My last question, I just want to have a little bit of fun for you. And I know you probably have a lot to choose from. So take a, a second, take a beat to think about mm -hmm. it. But um, most exciting moment on the basketball court. Is there something that stands out for you? On the basketball court, I would say my dream had always been to make it to the NCAA tournament. And that goes back to my hard work of shoveling the driveway when I was a kid and going out to shoot. And when I had first, when we had first got our names announced on that screen and knowing we were going, there was one exciting moment. But being there and getting our victory in the first round was one of the greatest things that you, I could ever explain to you. And as sad as I was to know that I was about to go kind of finish the business that I had not finished the previous year um, and COVID kind of ended that, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I have that memory to hold on to that I did make the right decision and I had, you know, maybe not achieved my ultimate dream, but I made it to the stage I wanted to make it on. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. Is there video of, of you all celebrating when, when you found out that you made it? Yes, yes, it was it was great. Um, it's just, I remember like the the anxiety that's associated <laughs> with it and it's like a thrill and it's a roller coaster and you're like, okay, I'm going here and this is who you're playing. Because again, this goes back to the structure of like, you know who your next game is and who do you play next and what their players are. And with the NCAA, you're like, never played against half these teams and don't know who we're playing and what location are we in, but we just got to go get a dub and that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes all that shoveling snow and, and shooting in the freezing cool. weather, that, that Northeast life, man, that is, <laughs> that is some dedication. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right.
Yeah. Well, Bretta, thank you so much again for, for taking some time today. Any last words, wisdom you want to leave us with no, before we let honestly, you go? Colin, I'm just very fortunate to, for you to ask for me to join the podcast. Appreciate everything you're doing. And if anybody ever has any questions, you know, follow me on Instagram or reach out and uh, just really appreciate your time and for the consideration. 